Welcome. We've got um, uh, 16 so far in the room and uh, myself and Dan are uh, raring to go on today's webinar, which is exciting. So um, all being well, the, the technology will work well. Uh, I'm a little bit of a novice at driving the technology, but I've, I've done a little bit of rehearsal as one should. So uh, hopefully it should go well. Um, so welcome to everybody that's on the webinar today. Uh, myself and, and Dan Sawyer are, are the presenters. Um, uh, we're going to do a little bit of a screen share in a moment. Um, so we've got 16. We had 32 uh, had registered. So uh, I'm just going to see if we've got people popping in. Let's have a look. Um, so we've got a number of folks. I'm just seeing who the attendees are. Here we go. It's updating. So we've got 16 live out of 35 registered so far. So the system is just updating. Uh, so welcome Colin, uh, Gary, David, Ramesh, Martin, um, Paul, Jed, um, uh, quite a few Pauls, Stuart, um, Ron, Serge and so on. So uh, welcome guys. Um, good to have you on board. Uh, we said that we would go uh, promptly at uh, two o'clock. So there we've got uh, plenty of people registered. I don't really want to hold it up for those that uh, are delayed. So I think what we will do is pile straight into uh, the slides. So let's bear with me. Okay, so without further ado then, let's talk about the, the five mistakes to avoid when you're selling your business. Now, I thought about the best way for everyone to get value from today's webinar. Um, plenty of us have done webinars previously, so hopefully it's fairly common standard stuff. Turn off your phone uh, and make sure you haven't got any other interruptions in a quiet place uh, and no one's going to disturb you. Um, we're going to work through quite a lot of uh, detail today um, and I want to make sure that everything goes in and makes sense. And, and also towards the end of the webinar, we've allowed plenty of time for live Q&A from people as well. Uh, so it's quite important that, um, that we can stay focused really. Uh, and it, it's also worth staying till the end because we've got a, a little bit of a bonus for you if you stick with us to the end. But also if you can make notes as you go, um, then that will save a bit of time so that we can go through any answer or any questions that people have got uh, in the Q&A at the end. So uh, just sort of kind of set the scene for today's presentation. Um, I'm going to spend a lot of time on us. Hopefully by now you've had a chance to check us out online. Uh, myself, co-founder of the Fidelis Group, and Dan, who I've got to know uh, in recent times, uh, and we share a lot of common views and ideas. And Dan's uh, director of a really uh, impressive business, London and Capital. So again, if you haven't yet had a look at London and Capital, I'd urge you to do so. Um, privately held business in the UK, advising lots of business owners or former business owners on how to manage their wealth. So more of that as we go through. Um, but I'm really happy to have Dan with us on the call today. So it'll add a huge amount of value to the content. So I'm going to kick off with a concept around Disney. So I don't know if you guys uh, watching today's webinar are aware, but the Disney movies, which we all love and know, especially those of us with kids, um, actually follow a, a, a tried and tested formula. 
So it's a 13-step formula that Disney use. And if you actually think about any of the Disney movies that you might have seen in the past, you'll start to recognize some of this as you work through it. Uh, now, I can't claim um, unique responsibility for figuring out these 13 steps. I did a bit of research and found a really interesting article. So I'm not going to claim this is my own intellectual property, um, but it's, uh, it's out there for the world to find. And I just thought it's really interesting because when we get to talk about the advisory network for business owners, you'll see where some of the idea was uh, was, was spawned from, if you like, it, in my mind. Um, but Disney is all about happy endings. And the whole point of selling your business is to gear towards a happy ending. Um, but there are lots of twists and turns in the story along the way. So I thought it was quite a nice analogy to compare to the concept of Disney. So I'm going to just chat through those 13 steps, really. So first of all, Disney sets up the framework for the movie or the story under what they call See the World. And in this respect, it's about seeing your own business as it really is, not as perhaps you'd like it to be, or perhaps how you explain to your mates down the pub as we all tend to embellish how wonderful our businesses are. And actually, we all know the wrinkles underneath the surface. So starting off by seeing the world and taking a step back and seeing your business as a buyer might start to see that business. And then secondly, it's about define the problem. So Disney define the problem. They identify what challenge the hero has got to overcome. Um, now, in this particular case, it might be that you've had enough of owning and running your business, uh, but you can't have an adventure if your wealth is tied up in a business. And one of the interesting statistics is that for most business owners, circa 80% of their wealth is actually tied up in their company. So if you think about the importance of releasing that wealth for the next stage in your journey, it, it certainly has quite an analogy. It's quite analogous to what um, what goes on, on in the world of, of Disney. So, Dan, I don't know if you, if you would agree with that sort of percentage um, value that is often tied up in a business for a business owner. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not completely sure of the, of the percentage, but but 80% certainly doesn't sound, uh, you know, wildly wide of the mark. It, it certainly, uh, typically, from, from what I see, the, the most significant holding in, in terms of asset base. So, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm open to debate around the 80%, um, by the way. But um, but I think as a, as a generic thing, the reality is that both our revenue and our wealth as business owners is intrinsically tied up in, in that business whilst we still hold it, really. So And, and that's perfectly normal. So the next step in, in the Disney story is then to get over the reluctance. So the hero started to see the world in a different light. He's realized that, that there's, a, there's a challenge here and a problem to overcome. Uh, and, and, and so Disney often juxtaposed that with, um, with the, the, the reluctance. Uh, oh, I'm not sure if I want to step out into the wild and go trekking over the mountains. Now, in, in this example, that might mean that you have to step into accepting that evaluation for your business is perhaps not what you thought or hoped for. And that's quite important as well. And we'll, we'll explore more of that as, as we go through this webinar. Um, and then I like the one about fuse wisely because wishes are limited. Uh, I was a massive fan of Robin Williams back in the day uh, when he was alive. And I thought he was fantastic as the genie. So I, I chuckled when I read that one. I thought about that. But remember, 
why you set off on the journey in the first place and don't get sidetracked. So getting focused on the journey, if the decision is made about selling the business, um, avoiding being sidetracked and making um, wise decisions along the way is really quite important to a successful outcome. I think the next one is common to all of us. Um, whatever we do, expect the unexpected. Uh, and certainly 2020 is got to be one of the biggest years of the unexpected. Um, nobody predicted COVID coming along and doing all the things that it's done or creating the circumstances that it's created for sure. And I, I always like the maxim anyway that um, it, it, in, in deals and in business, generally speaking, everything takes longer, longer than you think and costs more than you think. So um, expecting the unexpected is definitely a key thing. So if you think about all your favorite Disney movies, there's lots of twists and turns along the way, people falling over, crashing into things, being delayed, and so on, that kind of builds the excitement. So the sixth stage in the Disney movie is learn to let it go. Famously, um, Elsa, my daughter, was a massive fan of that. Uh, um, let it go, let it go. Uh, and, failure, and accepting that failure and setbacks are inevitable, really, um, but not clinging on to distractions, not clinging on to things that are unrealistic uh, in, in themselves. And then what comes from that, of course, is learning from failure, reflecting, and then coming back from it. And I don't know anyone in business uh, that hasn't experienced setbacks and failures and disappointments along the way. I think what marks out true entrepreneurs is their ability to solve problems. Um, my good friend and partner Terry Gormley says the job of the entrepreneur is to solve problems and that's certainly the case when it comes to deal making when it comes to exiting your business you, know, you will encounter problems along the way in figuring out how to do this and so it's really important to think that um, you've got that stoicism and accept that this process is going to have its challenges along the way so the remaining components of the Disney story are um, Inevitably, you're going to look to recruit a partner. So um, Dumbo did it. Um, eons of, of uh, famous Disney movies where uh, the unlikely hero teams up with another unlikely partner. I'm not sure if Shrek was a Disney movie, but certainly Shrek had his donkey, uh, and together they went on the journey. And, and, and part of today is about sharing the importance of picking the right partners and the right people to help you along the way. Um, and then the next step is to prepare for your comeback. So once you've equipped yourself with the right knowledge, you can then make the right decisions. Knowledge is, is important. Uh, knowledge isn't power, but the right application of knowledge is power. And equally, we don't know what we don't know. So tapping into the resources of people that have been there, got experience, understand what they're talking about is really important. And if you, if you surround yourself with the right partners and the right support team, then you can fly. If, if you don't, then you're going to find the experience a lot more challenging. The next step in the Disney storyline is uh, questioning long-held assumptions. Often in Disney, you'll get that situation where the heroes stumble through things and he comes to the realization that actually life might be different. And a bit like Shrek discovering that his princess turned out to be a swamp donkey as well. And that's okay. So challenging those, those long-held assumptions is quite important. And then, you know, I, I love the analogy with Monsters, Inc. You know, they, it dawned on them they could produce more energy instead of scaring kids by making them laugh. And that's a lovely comparison to use, you know, stepping outside of, of your normal scope of vision and thinking differently. And we, we you know, as business owners, that, that behoves all of us to do it that way. 
Um, and number 11 is Save the Day with Friends. Um, Toy Story is a great example. All, all those characters coming together to become great friends. Um, not doing it on your, on your, on your Todd, uh, not trying to go it alone. Uh, and when all help is, or hope is lost, then you know, karma is a wonderful thing. And I'll come back to save the day. Um, I love uh, the Buzz Lightyear moment when um, uh, Woody is, is uh, teasing him, or oh, you're mocking me. Oh, no. Oh, no, Buzz. But, yeah, we all love Disney. That's one of my favorites. Um, but that friendship thing, and, and get, again, your, your advisors become your friends when, when you do it right is really important. And then all too often, as, as business owners, as we do things, we forget to celebrate. Um, I do it. Uh, I'm very kind of focused and driven, uh, and I'm always pushing and pushing and pushing to, to do things. And all too often, don't take a step back and celebrate the things that I've achieved. So, um, you know, faced your failures and failures and challenges, survived and, and done the deal. And it's a wonderful feeling when a deal completes. Um, Dan can attest to that. I can. And, you know, when when you're working with clients, Dan, and, and that deal completes and the money lands in the bank, um, it's quite a, a moment for people, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, in, my, in my experience, um, a business exit is almost always, without exception, the, the most significant transaction of somebody's life so and it, and it generally happens once um yeah. there are exceptions but but you know more more often than not it's a, it's a once in a lifetime scenario so it's yeah it's a uh, certainly a, uh, a an occasion to celebrate yeah yeah absolutely and then for those that have got the appetite then the 13 is the sequel brace yourself and rinse and repeat um once you've got that experience under your belt now a lot of business owners um, we'll do the deal once and that's it and there won't be a sequel um, but I guess Dan again there'll be some of your clients where they've got an appetite for it they've enjoyed the experience come out the other side and perhaps brace themselves to do it again would that be fair? Oh 100% yeah I mean I, I can think of you know various uh, good examples of, of you know you know very uh, good examples of serial entrepreneurs that, that we come into contact with uh, you know frequently so yeah absolutely yeah. Where, where there's that. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so we've got Ramesh has said hello. Martin has said uh, 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 hi, hi, Martin, as well. So onwards and upwards then. Um, so that's the, the Disney experience and the comparison with, with selling your business. So thinking about all those different steps to go through, gathering the team, building the bond, and all of those things to get a, to get a happy outcome. And then potentially uh, doing it all again. So at this point, I'm I'm going to run uh, on into the five major mistakes that I, that I believe we believe that we we see business owners making when it comes to approaching the sale of their business. And hopefully, this is kind of the meat of of the content uh, which we're then going to discuss with people. Um. So the first mistake, uh, and this can kill a deal really. And I think this is for me has become one of our major issues is sellers not having a clear picture of what life will be like after the sale. Now, this is important for a number of reasons. Um, again, we'll continue to expand on this, but you need to ask yourself, what are you going to do every day um, when you spend a lifetime working, building up your business? I mean, I'm passionate about my business. So I've put a huge amount of time and effort into it. And actually, I found myself recently thinking, I wonder what I would do. What, what would I do every day? I've got such a sort of you know, planned diary, busy routine, etc. And, and 
mulling that over in my mind was really quite interesting. Um, and I guess I'll add to that is what are your true passions? You know, what are the things that often you don't have enough time for? And that could be traveling, it could be climbing mountains, it could be knitting, it could be whatever you want to do. Yoga, I've started doing yoga and find that really quite interesting as well. And, and, and often these are things that we kind of subjugate to the needs of the business. Um, and then you've also got to take into account, this is a really fundamental component that when you sell a business, and I've worked with a lot of business owners and had lots and lots of deals done, deals negotiated, deals fall over, far more deals fall over than have actually completed. And many, many of those are actually to do with this idea about divorce or bereavement. And I think that the exit from a, a, a privately held business is, in many respects, similar to the emotions that you go through with a divorce or a bereavement. You, you have a, um, a personal, deep relationship with the business as, a, as an entity, as the thing that you built and nurtured over a long time. And for me, 90% of the sale process is actually emotional. It's not logical. A good example is, is when we think about buying cars, for example, logically you would buy um, a cheap vehicle which is cheap to run, cheap to maintain, and gets you from A to B. That's fundamentally what the purpose is. But if that were true, there wouldn't be space in, in the marketplace for Ferraris or Mercedes or any of the well-known brands, which essentially did the same thing. But cost a lot more money. And why is that? It's, it's our experience, it's our relationship with that product and that brand. Same when we think about buying houses. You know, a house is just a place to lay your head, get washed and, and eat in, in simple terms. It's, a, it's our accommodation, but it goes way beyond that. We've all um, had a look at, at a place that we might want to live in and, and we, we end up very much driven by gut feeling how we feel about that accommodation as opposed to a logical thing. I don't know if you'd agree at that point, Dan. I, I, I would, absolutely. I, I, th I think um, the the emotional side or, or the bereavement or, or divorce or sort of grieving period is, is one of the, the, the toughest aspects of the, the transition and uh, throughout the transaction, I think, for an entrepreneur. It's challenging. Um, a lot of the identity is often wrapped up in the business. A lot of the the, the community is often colleagues and, and staff and so on. Um, yeah. And that can take time uh, to, to work through that process. Yeah. But I, I think, as you've said, having a, a plan coming into that transaction scenario um, and having given some thought to what life might look like post-transaction before you reach that point it, yeah. it's one of the ways that one can ease that transition yeah I, i'd go so far as to say that if if you don't have a burning desire to go to the next step beyond the business the thing that you're going to do afterwards in my experience and, and this is observing lots of deals um you end up in what i place what i call seller's remorse so seller often gets to a point where they just can't let go um i've had deals can fall over on the day of completion the money in the bank ready to go and the seller's literally gone i can't do this i can't step away from from this entity this relationship that i've got with the business and actually the, one of the main purposes behind this webinar is to get you to think about what comes afterwards because if you can get really 
uh, warm and excited and clear on your vision about what you're going to do next. And I think that's going to help you massively to progress, to, to make that conscious decision. This was then. This has been great for my, you know, the last 10, 20, 30 years or more in some cases. But I'm ready. It's time. It's okay now for me to let go of my baby. And I think that that's really, really important. So we try to spend a lot more time now with sellers to, to really dig into that question. And the reason that we've teamed up with Dan is, is recognizing that lots of people have never had a conversation with someone like Dan and, and his colleagues to kind of go, okay, well, what could I do? What's, you know, what's the art of the possible, really? They're very focused on the business and the set of numbers, but not what might come afterwards, really. So a big part of today is to, is to help to shift that thinking to say, okay, my business could be an asset that I could exit from, but what comes next? And, and to ease that transition, really. So that's the first mistake for me, that unless you really spend some time getting clear around what life's going to look like after the sale, I go so far as to say you probably won't sell unless you've got that really sort of compelling urge, really. So the second mistake, which naturally follows on from that, really, is that sellers often have no real idea what cash is needed for their retirement. So, uh, you know, ask yourself, do you have clarity around what your personal cash flow is, is necessary for an ideal lifestyle? So, for example, if you like to travel, um, God willing that, COVID relents and we can all start to get back to normal and, and travel again. But if you do, you know, when you get on a plane, do you want to turn left or right? Do you want to turn left into first class and business or turn right into cattle class or indeed go on a private jet or whatever mode of transport you prefer? Do you want to do you like railways? You know, I like railways. So do you want to go on the Orient Express and, and enjoy that travel or, you know, you're going to rough it with, with the rest of them? Um, in society, whichever continent you travel to, you choose to travel on, and, and so on, so on. So, um, you know, understanding personal cash flow for the lifestyle that you want after the sale is really important. Um, how are you going to preserve your sale proceeds? What's your tax strategy? Um, Dan's going to talk a little bit about that because there's so many different ways to look at how your cash is going to be invested that have different tax ramifications. So. If you've never asked yourself the question, you don't know who to talk to, and you don't know what that means, then you've got to be thinking about that before you really start to get into the nuts and bolts of selling a business, because you could go through all that process of trying to sell a business, get a valuation, get comfortable with it, and then find at the end of it, it's not going to meet your needs. So that's clearly daft. And again, inheritance strategy, what, what is that? How does that impact on, on what you're doing? So... If you don't know the answer to those questions or you don't know how to frame the answers because you've never had that advice before, you can't really properly assess whether the value of the sale of the business is sufficient for what you want to do next. And, and, and often it's said that the, the best price on selling a business is about finding the right time to sell the business as well. So you might need more time to develop the business to give you the exit value that you really want but if you don't know all the questions to ask and you don't know the answers then you're really going to struggle and um, to, to get yourself in the right position for all of that and i'm just thinking dan this might be potentially quite a good time to bring you in and just have a look at the things that you were going to talk about do you think yeah absolutely thank you guy I'm delighted to and um 
yeah, just just to, to briefly uh, introduce myself, um, Dan Sawyer, I'm a director in the um, private investment office at London and Capital, uh, and I lead the firm's uh, personal wealth offering, which is geared towards owner managers uh, and and entrepreneurs. And thank you, Guy, very much indeed uh, for for having me on. Um, do we have our? Yeah, I'm going to start your slides now. So there you go. So strategic wealth planning. So. Yeah, so, so really, I, I'm, I'm talking a little bit today uh, about uh, strategic wealth planning uh, as it pertains uh, to the pre-exit phase. Um, and we should probably start by really defining what a, a strategic plan is. Um, uh, in my mind, it's, it's developing a, a sort of deep understanding um, of what your priorities, goals, objectives are, what you would actually like life to look like. Um, and we can then together build out a structure uh, in line with those needs and objectives uh, around how your wealth can support that vision. Um, so it is very much establishing a set of priorities, which can sound a little bit, uh, sounds a little bit woo-woo sometimes, but it is so important um, because without exception, uh, the best relationships uh, that I have with my clients are, are when I have a very, very clear um idea and an understanding of what their drivers are um and that does without question go beyond just the financials um having said that there, there are some you know practical steps as well um and these are almost in a way these are the the unknown unknowns um that perhaps in a business working in a business driving that company forward to exit um, is, it tends to be quite a narrow domain, um, almost like an inch wide but a mile deep in, in understanding you know, your business front to back. Um, but as soon as you, that, uh, you know, that, that asset is converted to cash, there's a whole uh, you know, plethora of other sort of complications and intricacies um, that present themselves to you. And uh, it can be quite costly, um, but also easy to, to lose a handle on. So the, the common things that we will speak with our clients about uh, in, in the run-up to an exit uh, will be taking stock of any existing assets and how they are serving you now uh, based on your needs and requirements. That There's no harm at all in starting that process early. Um, and in fact, I, I think that's ideal. It, it, it is part of that process of easing the transition from in-business to out-of-business. And we're always very happy to engage with clients uh, pre-exit and sort of help them with, with forming their strategy. Um, it also gives us an opportunity to build those relationships with clients over, over a longer period of time. Um, this is a, a very, very simple step, but we'll make no apologies for that because it, it, it's also frequently overlooked. So having a will in place and, and powers of attorney in place um, so that your estate is organized as you would wish. And if the worst was to happen, um, the right amounts are distributed to the right people, you know, in, in the right fashion. Um, I think the absolutely key part to this, and this is a slightly funny time, uh, you know, to be discussing this because, you know, who knows uh, what the uh, March budget will bring in, in terms of changes to you know, capital gains, entrepreneurs tax, uh, entrepreneurs relief, uh, or inheritance tax. Um, but I think what we can quite comfortably say is any changes that do, uh, you know, that, that are enacted uh, are going to be less favorable than the current regime. Um, 
so we have definitely seen um, in recent months that you know that sort of overhang of tax reform giving clients a real impetus to look at this more carefully now under the current uh, legislation. Um, as I said, I mentioned that there are some sterling, uh, you know, examples of, of serial entrepreneurs that we deal with, but, but equally for many, um, an exit is the most significant transaction of their lives. It, it can, it happens once. It's almost always taken a number of years to achieve. Um, and, and as I say, the numbers are large and, and, and can be easy to lose a handle on. And that's where I think we can really add value in, in introducing professional standards um, and protecting uh, wealth. It may be, and Guy alluded to this, that the, the sale proceeds uh, are more uh, cap represent more capital than than one would require throughout their lifetime. So, equally at this time, it, it's valuable to give thought to transferring wealth down through the generations. And there are also efficiencies that are available in, in, in terms of structuring in doing that the head of the sale of a, a business uh, as opposed to afterwards. Um, so perhaps settling some of the shares in your company into trust uh, ahead of an exit uh, can represent uh, you know, further efficiencies than, than doing that post the event. Um, and again, as Guy alluded to, it's also at this stage that we'd start to introduce the cash flow modeling is, is what we call it, which is essentially a, a visual representation of your future financial life. So we'll, we build in assumptions of inflation and uh, return on investments. Um, and, and we factor in you know, what income requirements uh, you, you need. Um, and we get an idea as to whether or not your top line net number is likely to be enough for you to do the things that you were indicating that you want to do. So and we can then tweak a plan and organize a plan um, to get you to that to, to, to get you to that point that you're looking to achieve. So we'd look at durability of income against that asset base. What might you be able to afford to give away without compromising uh, your, your income requirements? Um, and what level of return is required in any investments that we might recommend uh, in order to achieve your goals? Um, so it becomes very bespoke, very personalized. Um, and certainly not a sort of one size fits all. Uh, I think I think Dan, if I could just jump in at that point, one one of the things that's become really clear to me uh, in speaking to lots of, of you know, potential sellers of businesses it, it is all too often I think something triggers um, the desire to sell. Um, yeah. That can be external events, could be an approach by a competitor or, or a third. It could be family bereavement. It could be just plain had enough. You know, yet another lockdown. Can't do this anymore. There's any number of, of, of triggers that, that can lead to it. But but I think often that trigger um, it is is just in isolation. That there's been no reason or need to do any of the planning that you're talking about. So the the individual will then get stuck into the potential outcome of a sale. And still not have thought about, yeah, okay, but what am I going to do at the end of it? And that brings me back to the point at which sellers remorse kicks in. Mm. That can either be because the emotional component is I can't let go, or they just can't get a number that they perceive is not suitable for themselves. Mm. Yet, actually, if they engaged in what you do, they may well find that less is more. 
you know, a, a figure that they perceive is lower than perhaps they need might actually turn out to be okay, depending on the investment strategy, um, you know, the durability, the length of, in, in the good old days, it used to be called annuities. You know, there was a, there was a process to figure out how long you might live on this, uh, on this mortal coil. So those components for me are, are sometimes almost always overlooked in the decision to start to look at selling a business. And I'm keen to try to tell everybody that we engage with, think about this exercise that you're talking about, mm. perhaps even before you decide whether you want to sell, so that you're more aware of the options and opportunities to make that decision whether to sell or not. Does that make sense? I, I, I think so. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, this is almost always, unless there is an incumbent advisor, um, this is always a learning curve. Um, mm. And there, there will be aspects of a transition uh, that individuals have just not had to consider before um, yeah. and have no cause to consider before. Yeah. Um, but all of a sudden become very important. Um, yeah. But driving your business forward to, 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 to a successful exit is a very, very rare um, and valuable skill. But yeah. it, it, it does not necessarily translate um, into being skilled at managing those proceeds effectively post-completion of the deal. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I sort of go to the, the lengths of saying to, to, to clients and, and prospective clients that I, I meet and, and, uh, and sit with, if you're even thinking about selling your business, um, it would be a valuable exercise to at least have a, a, a converse, an exploratory conversation um, mm -hmm. with somebody, not necessarily me, but somebody who works in, in this area and yeah. has expertise in, in this specific circumstance. I, I, would, I would go so far as to say that I think um, annually we tend to plan things like um, what's our tax plan? So... We're making profits. We've got corporation tax to, to plan for. How can we reduce our corporation tax? Common strategies are stick some money into a pension fund um, and, and other similar things. Now, if we're, if we're thinking about how we can ameliorate tax whilst, whilst we own the business and make the cash we pull out of the business tax efficient, we absolutely should be including an annual wealth review so that at some stage, when I am going to exit the business, what's that plan going to look like? I would suggest, and you know, we're starting to do that ourselves now. It's it's a, it's been a missing component in the planning process. Mm. I I would suggest quite strongly, and I, I don't know if you if you've got a view on that, if you agree with that stance. Yeah, no, I I absolutely do, and uh, you know, you're you're almost alluding to one of the points on my on my uh, next slide. Um, <laughs> In, uh, is, is that a prompt to move to the next slide? That's <laughs> why like you've seen them before, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Now, in in that, uh, well, if we do, we can we can do this out of order. Um, that relationships with with wealth management and uh, financial advisors should not be transactional. Um, mm. I, I can't sort of stress that enough. We, we we should all, and when I say we, I mean you know the the, the market as a whole. We we should be placing far more emphasis on uh, a relationship with our clients that will flex and will evolve uh, over a long period of time um, as our clients' needs and requirements change. Yeah. Um, the the deal itself is is highly transactional, mm. um, but the personal impact of that corporate transaction. 
um, and interpreting the um, the repercussions of that corporate transaction into what it means for you personally is is a key ingredient, I, I, I think, in the um, in the overall efficiency of the process. Yeah. Uh, I think the other the other key takeaways for me for anybody who is in in the position that um, they're considering an exit of a business um, is take charge early. You know, in the process, engage early, have conversations early, um, and, and start to form uh, your, your 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 objectives. Yeah. Um, and I would say again, in the most successful transitions I've seen of in business to out of business. Um, entrepreneurs have often sought out advice in a, in a number of areas ahead of exit, whether or not that's, you know, philanthropy, um, financial planning, uh, on trust, estate, wills, etc. All, all of these components are important, um, and, and I guess that sort of feeds into the next point. You know, in respect of engaging pre-exit, what, yeah. what that brings, you know, to the table. Um, and a bit of a shameless plug here, but uh, mm-hmm. I've been around, you know, for, for a period of time. I've been really fortunate as well in, in my uh, career to have worked with a number of entrepreneurs around, uh, you know, really interesting transactions in, in numerous sectors. Um, and there is, in my eyes, uh, you know, a value add um, to having somebody sat on your side of the table, considering the personal aspect um, of what is likely to be one of, you know, if not the most significant transaction of, of, of somebody's life. Um, I think- I think I think that's spot on, and I also think there's a really, really important element to this that we touched on before. It's a very emotional process. Um, it's you know similar emotions to the divorce or bereavement and, and so on. And like a lot of these things, I, I remember when my when I lost my father, I was consoled by the fact that you know he he'd sort of gone to a, a better place. Not to be morbid, but it, it did help um, in, in in that belief really. And 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 in the same way, if if you know as a business owner that the planning that you're talking about is in place and you've got knowledge and understanding of what your options are, then when you come to look at the deal structure for the sale, you're more informed and more aware of the flexibility that you that you could potentially agree to in a deal structure because deal structures are, are very wide and varied, particularly in, in the current market with, with the impact of COVID. And, depending on what sector your business is in, what impact that's having either to increase or, or depress the value of your business depending on the sector. But if you know that you're in a good place with your planning, with the kind of thing that you do, Dan, then mm-hmm. as a business owner, you, you can be more comfortable around that, that deal structuring. You don't need to feel afraid that somehow you might be leaving money on the table. And, you know, that the, the structure can support the planning that, you, that you've already put in place. And that's why I really like your point that it, it shouldn't be seen as a transaction. It shouldn't be, I've got my three million quid, how can I go and spend it with a wealth manager? I, I just think that's completely the wrong way to look at it. Would, would that make sense to you? Yeah, completely, because we, we would we would flip that on its head entirely and, and say, okay, well, what is it you want you what is it you, you want to drive? What's the outcome and, and, and what are the benefits that, that you're looking to achieve and, and drive from yeah. your asset base? It's yeah. very I mean, I'm I'm not overly keen on the word. I think it's overused, but holistic, you know, is is where we where we start, um, and it's very much understanding, you know, family blueprint, um, yeah. priorities, objectives. Paul, Paul's Paul's made a great comment here, just to share. 
We spend more time planning our holidays than we do planning our financial life. Ain't that true? Um, but you know, that's a great quote. Uh, and I think that's really true. I think people do. Um, you know, that that's definitely something to um, you know, to 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 consider uh, in a big way in the context of what, what you're talking about. I, I kind of slightly jumped in on your flow there, Dan, but I, I'm not sure if you if if you if if there's anything else that you wanted to add at this stage. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, again, a little um, just piece on, on, on how we actually work with our clients beyond the deal. Um, yeah. we, uh, we, we, we spend a lot of time on the structuring um, and a lot of time around the pre-exit. But clearly, we then continually work with the individuals beyond that point. We're quite a high-touch business, um, which I, I think entrepreneurs value. Um, and I, I also feel culturally aligned with, with many of our clients. And I think that's becoming a more and more, you know, important uh, buzzword. Uh, certainly over the last few months is culture, cultural due diligence, yeah. cultural yeah. fit. Yeah. The challenges that businesses are facing with ingraining a culture in a more virtual world. But uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think from a, a content perspective, that, that is um, that is it for me. And, you know, would be okay. really happy to answer any questions or yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do that, mate. So um, I'm going to just pop back to um, the presentation, uh, my presentation. I'm not sure if it's going to jump in. There we go. So I need to just, no point going right back to the start. So we'll, we'll come back to the point that we were at when we left, which I think is this one. Yes. So let's dive in here. So mistake number two, which is where we where we pulled Dan in, was this uh, not knowing your live well number. Um, but um, what what also goes along with that is I see this all the time: people being at the mercy of their emotions. I can't stress enough in my experience: this is an emotional roller coaster. It's an emotional process, and and in common with not having a plan as to what you're going to do with the cash, there's also no plan on how you're going to deal with the emotions of the sale, how you're going to go into it. I'm not suggesting for one moment that it should be a game of poker and you need a poker face or, or something similar. But given so much of this is an emotional process, you know, giving some thought to what impact it's going to have on you as a business owner to transition from fully immersed, as most people are, even, even people that say to me, oh, yeah, my team run the business and I'm not really you know, engaged in it. Yes. That may be true on a day-to-day -day basis, but I absolutely guarantee that they still are identified with the business. So I, I spoke to a business owner just recently who um, has a UK-based business. He's living in Ireland at the moment, partly because of COVID, um, and you know was was saying, "Oh, you know, my management team run it day to day." Yet when we dug a bit deeper, he openly agreed that well the quarter for Christmas is really important for us, so I, I need to be around for the team. So there's still that identification with the business. There's still that involvement at some level that hasn't yet been completely divorced, really. So, and I use the term survivor's guilt. Some of you may have heard of this. So um, it certainly happens a lot in the military. It happens in, in extreme cases of you know, accidents where uh, you might be part of a group and you survive and the others don't. Uh, and in this situation, you're leaving the business and all the staff all those people that have helped you to, to grow that business and they're actually a key part of you getting a you know multi seven or eight figure sum in your bank account 
And I know of, and I've seen business owners feel guilty that they've kind of somehow left the people behind. So, you know, you get all these kind of emotions going on. Does that, does that ring true with you, Dan? You've dealt with a lot of people over time. Yeah, I mean, very, very much so. And I, I think that is almost where there, there are other, there are, there are optionality, all sorts of optionality around um, employee ownership and EMI shares, etc. That 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 people can explore. But yeah, absolutely. I think I can think of probably the, the the last client that I took on who sold his business um, was exactly in that in that position. It was a very manual business. Yeah. Uh, staff were, were not terribly sophisticated um and it, it was around a, i think a, a 10 million pound enterprise value and he, he did definitely struggle with the the emotional aspect of that survivor's yeah. guilt yeah, I, I quite like that, that phrase yeah, absolutely so um mistake number four and this could cost i i know a, a friend of mine this mistake cost him over fifty thousand pounds in fees um, and, and I call it, I take you back to the Disney uh, example. It's falling for what I call the business broker's mythical Disney tale. Um, just sign up with me, uh, Sunshine, and we'll sell your business in no time for a, a ridiculous uh, multiple. Um, I, I just want to share with, with the guys on the call today the, the cold hard reality that less than 20% of all businesses on the market sold by brokers in both the US and the UK, the numbers are remarkably similar. So, uh, 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 you know, that, that's ridiculous, one in five. So you've paid money to a broker to sell your business as the experts, yet you've got a one in five chance of, of, of success. That's pretty crap odds. And there's evidence uh, today that some of the UK brokers perform even less than that, less than 10% of their book. And the reason for this is really simple. I'm going to be really blunt. Um, we deal with brokers, but you know, I would say this to a broker sat in front of them, and I have done, and I'm not the most popular um, for this reason. But I believe that the broker model is driven by take-on fees. Um, some of the biggest players in the UK market make more money from the charges that they levy when someone joins their, their system than they do from the contingent fee on a successful sale. That's the cold hard reality, and that's... You know, that can be checked in the marketplace, if you like. The other point I would make is you don't actually need a business broker. What you need is a good advisory team. You don't necessarily need a business broker because if you think logically, if you flip it around the other way and think, well, who would be a good buyer of my business? That could be a trade buyer. A lot of sellers are reluctant because they know that certain trade buyers might strip the business down, get rid of key players that they leave behind, back to the survivor's guilt thing. And I understand that. But it doesn't necessarily follow that a buyer is going to do all of that. Certainly, Fidelis Group, our philosophy is to buy businesses with a great second-tier management team, uh, hold that management team, develop those people, and then allow the business to grow around them. Because after all, they know the business inside out. They've been there as long as the business owner in many cases. So it's evolution, not revolution, is really the key. So there are plenty of buyers out there who will look after the legacy, the blood, sweat, and years, as we call it, of, of business owners, um, without necessarily asset stripping or, or ripping the thing to pieces. You don't necessarily need a broker, but of course, if you go online and go sell my business, Google will serve you dozens of business brokers because that's what they do, they're sales machines. So I just urge people watching this to think really long and hard about how much money you could end up 
fucking down the toilet that the, the guy I referred to, you know, had spent well over £50,000 and was eventually told by the broker, well, you know, it's a difficult business to sell. And I said to him, to make money, has he got a track record? Have you got a business system? Yes. Well, he should have sold is the bottom line. So, you know, I, 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 I feel quite strongly about um, that sort of market structure and, and how it's set up. Um, and mistake five, in a way, kind of echoes that. And, you know, the military has an expression, fail to plan, plan to fail. So if you think about how you would go about uh, any enterprise, the best way is to think of it as a project. So treat the sale as a detailed project with timelines, account chart, et cetera. And most business owners are pretty good at, at planning most of the time, the good ones, the successful ones. So you need to understand what goes into due diligence. Uh, we've, we've got a guide to that at, at Fidelis Group. So if you're not sure, then please ask and we'll, we'll share that with you. So you can think, oh, okay, this is what a buyer wants to see. Uh, and prepare your business fully and, and in detail so that everything is served in, a, in an immaculate way. All of that will increase the value of your business and make the deal easier to complete. I also believe that if you do do that exercise, you will see your business in a different light. You'll step away from the emotions and start to see it more objectively. And your plan will also avoid distraction from day-to-day -day operations. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, Dan, but quite a number of business owners try to go down this path and the sale becomes a massive distraction and actually the business starts to underperform uh, and has an adverse impact. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an extremely difficult time. Um, there's no getting around that, I think. Um, and, and that, from, from a wealth management perspective, is one of the other reasons we encourage people to, to start this early. Because in the throes of a deal, your, your time is so scarce and is, is a precious commodity. Um, and it, it will, you know, often it is. It's a stressful time and, and it, you know, long, yeah. long days and so on. But it's, you, you've got to try and, and, and not take your eye off the ball in, in terms of running the business efficiently. Um, yeah. Because that, that that you know that in itself could could kill a deal. Uh, yeah, absolutely, know. absolutely, great. Um, and then uh, just a couple of things really for practical nature. Key milestones manage expectations. So if you say, look, it's going to take me three to six months to really get my house in order, to get all my bookkeeping, my accounting records, slick. You know, I can report on the previous month by the tenth of the month following, or whatever you know maximum you set. Um, that the data is is stored and, and held succinctly, your business systems, your digital filing is all absolutely apple pie order. Um, but lastly, I, I love the idea that deadlines get deals done. But when you set that deadline process, this by then, this by then drives the deal to a conclusion rather than kind of meandering and everyone gets, gets a focus and the energy stays and, and carries on in, in the deal that way. So those really are, are the key mistakes um, that I would uh, share with all of you on today's webinar. These are the things that we see, the top five things that get in the way of a successful transaction. And if you are even contemplating it, you know, taking a step back, working back through those five things and thinking about where you are now, um, and particularly this planning one, uh, would also give you time to work with someone like Dan so concurrent with the planning, you can also be thinking about, well, okay, what's the outcome going to look like? And then you can get really enthusiastic about what comes after the divorce because you are divorcing yourself from your business really. So I think, I think those are the key takeaways and, and hopefully that's made sense for everyone watching. 
Um, so I promised a bonus at the start of today's webinar. The bonus really is both of us are really happy to provide some free initial consultation and advice. Um, it's absolutely not a sales pitch from either of us. It's genuinely a desire to open up the dialogue and to help people and to, and to explore any of the issues that we talked about today um, uh, and to think about uh, what you need to do to prepare. In Dan's case, I think, Dan, it will be conversation around the art of the possible. It's a phrase that we that we worked up together. You know, what, what, what can you do with your wealth? Um, and I think from our perspective at the Fidelis Group, it's it's helping you to understand what your business might be worth today. Uh, and then, you know, compare that with what Dan can do for you and then going, OK, that's great. I'm happy. Let's crack on. Or that's not quite what I was hoping for. But this is what I need to get to in order to work with Dan and, and achieve, you know, a, a really happy retirement or, or the next phase, whatever that might be in your in your Disney hero journey. So. And think about it in those terms, really. I'm, I'm conscious that we're at um, 52 minutes in, nearly 53. I think now might be a good time to open up the floor for any questions. Um, unless there's anything you think I've missed, Dan, that I need to add. Any, any Anything that we that we needed to have covered off? No, not, not at all, Guy. I, I think you've covered everything very well. But just to say thanks to everybody for, for listening. And, uh, yeah, as you say, we'd be delighted to answer any questions that, that anybody might have. Okay, awesome. So whilst we see if we've got any questions uh, from today's audience, uh, the contact details should be on your screen. Um, so our respective websites and phone numbers, um, both of us have got good contact pages on there. So do jump on and get in touch if you'd like to set up any of those free consultations and have um, you know further dialogue, we'd love to do that. Um, so, uh, so Martin has asked for someone really uh, early in the process, what would you recommend the first step to be? Great question, Dan. Um, I guess, I think actually for me, it would be a conversation with Dan rather than me even. Um, but it could be, what do you think the business is worth today? So maybe the two things concurrently. I think um, learn about what you can do with, with a pot. So sell your business for 2 million quid, 10 million quid, whatever that is, what could you do with it? I think is the first question to get your head around. And then secondly, probably what might your business be worth today? Would you agree, Dan? Does that make sense to that question? Yeah, I, I think so. So um, I, I think, Martin, I would almost work backwards um, and say, okay, well, where is it you'd like to be? What, what, How do you see life? Um, you know, beyond the point of at which you'd exited your business, and we could almost work back from there and say, okay, well, this is the number um, yeah. require. Um, yeah. I mean, tax is such an important component of this, so we, we could, you know, talk through the different structures that are available or, or, or different, um, you yeah. know, strategies that are available. Um, but really, the the first port of call, as as I say, is to to develop a, a really grounded understanding of what it is that you would like from life beyond the point at which you exit your business and everything else flows from there really so that that would be a good first step i think that's my yeah i think that's my inclination really although having a handle on what the business is worth and and how a business is valued that's not today's webinar subject but but broadly it's either balance sheet or multiple of profits in real simple terms 
So that would give you a start of a 10. If you looked at the balance sheet of your business today, that's the theoretical shutdown value. So if you if you said, I'm done, I'm out, you'd get a figure less somewhere south of that balance sheet value. So that's a, a real simple metric. But actually, I would prefer that you get a, a real sense of what you want to do next. So if you, if you want to live in a shack on the beach in Thailand, you're not going to need a lot, need a lot of money. Um, I think that's fair, isn't it, Dan? Um, but, it, but if you want to retire to a small estate in the Cotswolds, you're going to need quite a chunk. So, yeah. you know, consider those extremes, where you want to be in the world, what you want to do, who your significant others are, then, um, yeah, you know, that's really important and to get that sense of future. And in fact, Stuart, thanks for popping in the question. On my plan, I'm approximately three years away from sale. When would it make sense to start speaking to someone? Well, I would say as soon as, you know, pick up the phone to Dan or someone like him um, and, and start that conversation as soon as possible. And um, three, three years in my experience can whiz by. I don't know if you agree, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, the other thing to consider, um, Stuart, is we're in an interesting time at the moment from a, a, a deal's perspective um, because there may be such a, uh, you know, a, a significant change in, in tax. So, you know, we're having a lot of conversations with our clients around whether or not it makes sense to sell now and pay less tax or sell for a higher value in three years' time and pay more tax. Actually, you know, where yeah. there's a sort of net, net off effect there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, as I say, I'm happy. You know, I'm, I'm always happy to have you know coffees. I'm uh, you know virtual, virtually now. Um, coffee in the Zoom. Coffee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, I you know I, I think if you're considering and you and you have a plan to exit, it's never too early really to have an informal conversation. There may not be anything um, immediately to to engage further on. But there's certainly no harm in, in in talking through, you know, where it is that you're looking to get to. If you've got any concerns, what you know, sense check the plan um, mm -hmm. as early as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Manish, I, I, I think um, to answer your question, I think this has been recorded. Um, my uh, colleague Wendy set up the system, um, so I'm hoping it is. And if so, the answer to your question is yes. But for Martin, if I was planning to sell in three years, can I design the business now to make it more saleable, help pick the most likely buyer, what they would want, et cetera? So the answer to that, Martin, is absolutely, 100%. Um, the, myself and my colleagues at, um, uh, at the Fidelis Group, we have a number of investment streams that we're working on. And specifically, one of them is we're in the process of identifying the most likely target of who we're going to sell to in three years time specifically for that purpose so we're doing exactly what you just asked about and then we have other investment streams which, which are a little bit further down the track if you like so 100 percent i'm a big believer in start with the end in mind think about who's most likely to sell for what price who's active in the marketplace what kind of companies are looking to buy your kind of company um, you want a bigger company, ideally, with you know cash on the balance sheet and an acquisitive nature, and that way you're more likely to be able to achieve the exit you want. Do some research, you know, find which corporates have got mergers and acquisition teams in your sector, um, you know, and and start to get to know them, and start to even reach out to them or find out who their advisors are. 
and then engage in that advisory network. So plan now, the earlier you plan, the more likely it is that you're gonna be able to do it. In terms of business processes, we've been developing our own um, branded system called the Fidelis Business System, which is what we bolt onto the companies that we acquire. And that's again about systematizing, standardizing, making a slick, uh, ready-made business suitable that a buyer would go, brilliant, I've got very little to do there. I can buy that and make it easy to bolt into my existing operations. So I hope that answers the question, Martin, but your question is spot on. Um, you definitely want to start that planning process now. And I would I would have it side by side with a, a conversation with Dan or, or colleagues like him and to get clarity around what does good look like? What's going to achieve what I, what I think I want for the future, really? So, uh, yeah, OK, thank you. I'm glad that um, that's stimulated your thought process. Um, anything to add to that, Dan? No, I, I don't think so. I think that's much more, uh, you know, your 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 sort of expertise, guy. I mean, I, I tend not to get involved in 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 the in the planning for the sale of, of the business itself. It's much more uh, on on the personal side. So, no, nothing, nothing to add there. Thank you. Cool. Okay. Well, we we just clocked over the hour. Uh, wanted to try to keep it um, pacey and snappy. So we're just going up to an hour and one minute. So unless anyone's got any other burning questions, um, then I'm going to call it a day for now. I've really enjoyed uh, the uh, the webinar today. Uh, I hope everybody else has. I'm just going to see if I can stop. This one. There we go. Uh, so we can see me and Dan. Um, thanks to everybody who attended. Thank you, Dan, very much for, for coming on and, and adding your bit. It's been fun. Uh, My pleasure. Hopefully, yeah, too. And hopefully quite enlightening for our, our audience today. Um, the good news is it has been recorded, so um, people that, uh, that that booked on but couldn't make it for one reason or another will uh, um, will be able to catch up. And um, for anyone that's not managed to uh, get a question in or they think of something afterwards, please get in touch with us. Uh, and both myself and Dan will be happy to continue the dialogue. So I guess that's it for now. Until next time, and uh, all have a good day. Avoid the rain. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Thanks, Dan. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.